to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. McAllen, Texas, setting up emergency shelter for the overwhelming number of stranded immigrants. Day after day, we see new headlines, new stories, over 7,000 cases of COVID-positive immigrants coming across that same uh, border. Uh, There is a story here about 10 dead after a van carrying migrants crashes in Texas. What is going on in the Texas border? To answer that question, uh, Kevin Roberts, Dr. Kevin Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour to discuss the immigration situation, uh, as well as states' rights, uh, the overreaching of federal government into states' rights. We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Kevin Roberts. Uh, by the way, he was the former president of Wyoming Catholic College. Great guy. I've known him for years. Uh, also in this show, 15 past the hour, Leah Darrow is going to be on. We're going to talk about building a culture of modesty. What does that mean? Uh, Leah Darrow will be our guest to have that conversation. It's going to be a jam-packed show. If you can join us, we'd love to have you for all or part of it. If uh, if you're used to being on by uh, YouTube, well, I'm so sorry. We got blocked by YouTube. Can't be on YouTube this week. But we are broadcasting, uh, streaming live right to our webpage. You can watch and comment live right at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But we're also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Good morning to you, uh, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Drew. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. Yes, it's good to see everyone in the studio as well. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting this morning when I came in because um, Anna had commented I have uh, long arms and then um, that I would be a good boxer. Yes. <laughs> <was a> little... <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, we took the liberty of setting up a prize fight between you and Mike Tyson. It's only like a demonstration uh-huh. fight. Yeah, uh, but uh, given your length and reach, I think you got this covered. You know, I, <laughs> I think um, I have the advantage here. Would you be offended if I secretly bet against you? Is the question. I wouldn't um, want to offend you, but no, I would. Yeah. I would. I would bet against me as well. Would you? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't know. In I, my defense, yeah. I was watching Cinderella Man before I showed up. So. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of defense, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. I don't know what's going on today. Uh, <laughs> this is a great conversation <laughs> on uh, long arms and, and fighting, but uh, you know, nonetheless, nonetheless, it's still good to be here. You think you're not going to take Tyson, right? Oh, uh, you uh, know, look the, at her reach, man. The, it's the, it's the, the only the logical. Reach is long with the she arms are thin. Need to leave the corner. She just <laughs> reach out and pow. Only thing that makes sense there. Only but I'm looking forward to. Talking to Leah Darrow, yeah. and I don't know the, uh, the uh, our second guest or for the main segment. Uh, I have never heard him before, so I'd be very interested on what he has to say about immigration. I'm he excited. Has, he has a PhD in American history. I, when I met him back in like twenty. 12, maybe 2011, when he was headmaster of a Catholic school in Lafayette, Louisiana. Fantastic guy, wonderful family. And uh, I'm a bit of a history geek, so I get along with people like that 
pretty easily. So it's going to be an interesting conversation, and I am looking forward to having a Dr. Kevin Roberts on the program. But Leah Darrow is going to be fantastic as well, uh, building a culture of modesty. We're going to talk about what that means. So a lot to get into. And don't forget, in the second hour, for all those that can or, and are able to join us, uh, be sure to tune in because we are still playing our Fear and Trembling game show this week. The prize is very cool. It's the motherboards. You know, uh, what, I think the what's the website again, Janelle? It's loveyourmotherboard.com. Yeah, a little yes. play on uh, words there, like love your mother, like love your the blessed mother kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, loveyourmotherboard.com uh, is the uh, sponsor this week. They make skateboards with beautiful, incredible images on them. It's amazing. Um, I wish that was around when I was a kid. So that's the prize pack this week, and somebody's going to win. It could be you. All the rules, the phone number, all of that is listed on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can watch live and comment live there as well. But let's pray. Let's pray for your intentions, dear listener. Let's uh, also pray for the ability to speak the truth in charity, but speak it nonetheless, even when big tech does not appreciate or approve of the messaging. Uh, let's ask for the conversion of all sinners and the fidelity of the hierarchy to the mission of the church to make converts around the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Today is Thursday, August 5th. Here are some headlines from Church Militant. USCCB joins fight to overturn Roe. 75 Friend of the Court briefs filed in Supreme Court case. Catholic League says defund NPR. Journalists now permitted to be Marxist political activists. The Atlantic heaves headline, backlash over controversial title about the unvaccinated. Sacraments delayed by government. Dublin Archbishop to clerics defy the guidelines on sacraments. Traditional Catholic Spain pilgrimage. Young Catholics trek to Shrine of Our Lady of Cova Danga. In other news, priests in Perugia arrested on charges of child porn and prostitution. Ex-priest tries to marry his rape victim to avoid jail in India. New allegations against David Haas prompt top music publisher to sever ties with him composer. Transgender YouTuber Chris Chin arrested after allegedly raping mother will be housed with female inmates. 17 arrested in undercover child predator operation, including three Disney employees. Wildfire tears through Northern California town, destroying homes and businesses. Landlords and real estate groups ask judge to block CDC's new eviction moratorium. At least 10 dead after van carrying migrants crashes in Texas. Nine people indicted for gun trafficking from Georgia to New York City. Three drug traffickers convicted for selling Chinese fentanyl in fake oxycodone pills. New Connecticut law voids old deeds covenants containing racist language. Massachusetts mandates vaccine for nursing home staff and Connecticut to follow. 
Missouri parents censored online for opposing mask mandates in school. Fulani terrorists murder 22 unarmed farmers in Kaduna State, Nigeria. Home Depot says all employees must mask up due to COVID-19. U.S. to require foreign travelers to be vaccinated when restrictions lift. Biden administration approves first arms sale to Taiwan. Australian Mass becomes the longest-running show in nation's television. U.S. COVID-19 cases hit six-month high at over 100,000. Israeli aircraft strike rocket launch sites in Lebanon, military says. Russia and Belarus to press ahead with military drills criticized by Ukraine. Chaos at Manila vaccine sites as thousands rush to get shots before lockdown. Japan expends COVID-19 curbs as surges strain hospitals. Ignoring who called Germany and France to give COVID-19 vaccine boosters. South Korea pledges nearly $2 billion to become major COVID-19 vaccine producer. Russian news outlet Open Media to close after being blocked by state media watchdog. Threats of cell phone blocks, work bans boost Pakistan's vaccination rate. California's electricity crisis is so bad, Governor Newsom is ignoring carbon emissions policies to pay people to use generators instead. Liberals boycott list of stores after former Trump official joins board of Kroger. City of McAllen, Texas, says Biden administration releases more than 7,000 COVID-positive migrants into the community. An Arkansas governor says he regrets banning man- mask mandates, wants legislature to change the law. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Thursday, August the 5th. God love you. The saint of the day is Our Lady of Capocabana. Uh, the, I guess the event happened in the 19th of November, 1838 in Gaiverda, Nord, France. A statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary standing four feet tall made of plaster and magoi fiber. And it was created by Francisco Tito Yopanqui. Uh, except for the face and hands, it was covered in gold leaf. She was dressed like an Inca princess and has jewels on the neck, hands, and ears. There is no record of what the image looks like under the robes. The carved hair has been covered by a wig and the image never leaves the basilica. On the 21st of February, 1583, it was enthroned in an adobe church on the, pencil, um, on the pen, peninsula of Copacabana which juts into the lake Titicaca near nearly three miles above sea level. In 1669, the Viceroy of Peru added a straw basket and baton to the statue, which still holds today. The present shrine <coughs> sorry, dates from 1805. The image was crowned during the reign of Pope Pius XI, and its sanctuary was promoted to a basilica in 1949. It has been the recipient of many expensive gifts over the years most of which were looted by civil authorities in need of quick cash. Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 23. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, Others, Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven." and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I, this, I think I've said this before, but... I mean it this time. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite in all of sacred scripture because of how deep and profound and rich it is. It's something we've covered many times on this show. Um, the going back to Isaiah and the keys, the prime minister, the, the parallels, and Jesus essentially makes Peter the prime minister in his kingdom, giving him the power and the authority to bind and to loose. It is profound. But maybe there's some things that you don't know. About this, For instance, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible points out the parallels between uh, Abraham and Peter. It says both are blessed by God, both respond with heroic faith, both receive a divine mission, both have their names changed, both are called rock, and both are assured a victory over the gate of their enemies. Pretty fantastic. But also, why the son of Jonah? I mean, Peter's father's name is John, so why Jonah? Well, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible points out that uh, it literally means Simon, the son of Jonah. Since Peter's father is actually named John, the title may be symbolic. Jesus' role as a new Jonah may suggest he views Peter as his spiritual son. I find that fascinating. It goes on to say, since the Hebrew name Jonah means dove, Jesus may point to the relationship between Peter and the Holy Spirit. Indeed, the same spirit who confirmed Jesus' sonship in the form of a dove now inspires Peter's confession. There is so much more we could say. I'll say some of it for the next hour when we dive into this passage again. But coming up after this short break, Leah Darrow will be our guest. Let's talk about building a culture of modesty. What does that mean? That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. 
We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Kevin Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, will be our guest. We're going to talk about the immigration crisis along the southern border, specific to Texas, but beyond that. We're also going to talk about states' rights in light of federal overreach. It's becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, is it dividing our country? I think a lot of people think yes, but we're going to get uh, the opinion of Dr. Kevin Roberts uh, at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now, though, is Leah Darrow. She is a Catholic speaker, author, and so much more. It's been, I don't know, a long time. I, I interviewed Leah, I think, back in maybe 2011, 2010, 2012, somewhere in there, and um, about her about her journey. Uh, especially in the fashion industry. And it was a great, great conversation. So it's been a long time, but we're going to talk about a culture of modesty. Good morning to you, Leodaro. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Um, a culture of modesty. You know, it's interesting. I think there are some myths and misconceptions about modesty, what it means, how to, how to build it. But I, I'm a traditional Catholic. I, I go to a traditional mass, traditional community, and I'm always surprised, even in my traditional community, to see dress codes that aren't, they're not sort of in keeping with what one would think about a traditional community. So I, I bring this up to point out that this is kind of an issue across the board, across the spectrums. Uh, what say you, Leodaro? Well, I think that really... When we think about dress, and of course, naturally, I'm, I'm a traditional Catholic as well. I attend a traditional Catholic Mass, um, the Latin Mass. And I, I know that when we talk about modesty, we talk about how we dress, we want to sometimes only isolate it. We want to only isolate the virtue of modesty to just our clothing. So I think right off the bat, before we even have a conversation, it's really important to remember that modesty is a virtue and a virtue is not segregated to one part of yourself, one part of your body, one part of, of your actions. Virtue will um, affect our, the whole being of ourselves. That's the nature of what virtue does. So this virtue of modesty um, it definitely applies to how we present ourselves in the world and the clothes that we wear because we have this beautiful body that God has given us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And really, even what the catechism talks about, I mean, you can look at the catechism in 2521. It talks about how modesty should, should veil what should remain hidden is what it says. And so what should remain hidden on us? Like, I think it's kind of obvious when you think of your, if you think about your own body, 
as God has made it, as you came out of your your mother's womb, <laughs> what parts of that body should remain hidden? It's very, hmm. very clear. And then from there, is that the bare minimum or should there be more so that when we look at one another and we engage in communication and we engage in a relationship with one another, that we are keeping our focus on the whole person instead of parts of a person. Hmm. So then that brings us back to fashion. That brings us back to what we wear. The clothing we wear is, I love fashion because it communicates to the world something about us. Does it communicate the whole story? Of course not. But our fashion does communicate. Our clothing does communicate something about us. And in fact, it can even tell people what we believe and what we believe about ourselves or even about our if we believe in a creator or not. And so, and we know that just by, I mean, take a look at how we take in an outfit of somebody who is dressed head to toe in black with a black veil, maybe a little bit of white. And you're thinking, I think they're probably a nun. I think that's probably a religious sister. And I know with what she's just wearing, what she believes and who she loves. Her clothing has told me that. Now, maybe she's a total fraud and it's a costume and she's just joking around. But the idea is that probably not. And her clothing speaks. So what does our clothing say about us? I think that is really at the heart of what we're talking about, because immodest clothing is a symptom of something more going on within our soul. There is a disruption of who we are and how we should act when we use immodest clothing to portray ourselves in the world. It's really a symptom of something greater going on of our identity that really needs to be understood which then brings us into how should we treat people who are dressed immodestly we should not treat them like a leper we should be kind and loving and have a great conversation keep our focus on their face when we're talking about when we're talking to them even if our gaze would look somewhere else because that is what the clothing wants us to do mm. but how we treat one another really does matter and understanding this problem as a whole as a symptom and not like the main issue because trust me um, a person walking into mass, let's just say, walk, walking into mass where clearly our, our attention should be on Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, praise and adoration. When you have someone who is dressed immodestly and our attention is kind of thwarted from Christ to a particular outfit on a person because it's what the, it's what the outfit wants, right? And wearing that really, and the intention of the person maybe putting it on, we don't know, but while that's a problem, what's best solved in those issues, how best to solve those issues is to still treat the person like a person. Yeah. You know, I want to bring it over to talk about men a little bit. And, you know, one thing I really like about attending the traditional mass is that the a lot of the men or most of the men there are dressed in uh, at least a button down shirt and a, and a coat. Uh, and that's and that really struck me as something that there's something a sense of modesty and a willingness to suffer uh, for the sake of modesty because I mean in Texas heat we're down here in Houston and we are and it's it's very hot <laughs> it's very hot outside and but it's that willingness to suffer it's a, a lack of effeminacy a, a battle against effeminacy which is a uh, what Saint Thomas defines as a unwillingness to suffer could you speak a little bit about uh, men and how men need to be uh, have a practice a virtue of modesty. 
Yeah, well, I, I think just raising the standard across the board. So, well, I mean, if we're just going to talk right now about the very particular piece of mass, which is great because um, it should be addressed, but I think raising the standard of, of, of of ourselves, of placing ourselves in a place where we know we're called to worship, and then the effect of that on other people. You know, I think that this is not just, and although it's talked often about modesty with fashion with just women, it's not. However, there is, there are stark differences of why we do have conversations more with women when it comes to fashion. That makes perfect sense, and that's logical that we would have more to say about that because of how God has made our bodies which are very different than men's bodies. There's men and there's women. There's nothing in between. And so I think that how we dress should should help raise the bar for our counterparts as well. So when you see men walking into mass and they're wearing a suit, and, and I, I totally understand what you're talking about with the heat, but that's a small price to pay for worshiping Jesus Christ in the Eucharist at a place where we are called to be to show reverence, to show respect, so that the world knows I am going someplace important and I'm going to see someone important in my life. And so, therefore, I will dress according to the situation. And when we we show up to Mass and, and we really are not prepared in our mind, body, spirit, and even our dress, it, again, it's a reflection of something deeper that we, we really need to call upon compassion and mercy to help us understand ourselves and others. Leah Darrow is our guest. Her website, by the way, is leahdarrow.com. And uh, we're talking about building a culture of modesty. I want to turn to sort of the pop culture, the pressures of society upon young people and what parents can do to to protect and to educate and to raise their kids to be thinking along modest terms. How, how would you address that? Well, one, just point out the different situations that every day in life, you know, I mean, my kids, when they are going down, we have, we, we live on a farm and when we have, when, when they're going to go down to the Creek and play, they wear certain clothes to go and play. They don't wear their church dresses to go out into the Creek and play. So, so then we, I just make it a time for an example of a teaching. So I'm like, okay, so what would be appropriate to wear to the Creek? What would be appropriate to wear to church? Um, what would be appropriate if we're going to a wedding? What would be appropriate if we're going to the beach? And so they see that there's distinctions between that. And then, of course, we're also talking about our speech. So modesty is not just clothing, modesty in our speech as well. So this culture of modesty is something that we take in about our whole person. So I talk to the kids about like, what, what's an appropriate way to talk when we are just goofing off and being silly? What's appropriate talk when we're at the dinner table? Um, and they understand, like, or what's an appropriate conversation in church? You know, I mean, I have a lot of little tiny kids. My oldest just turned eight. My youngest is four months old. Uh, and so there's there's just a lot of conversations that I'm having at mass mm-hmm. um, right now with, Mom, what's going on? Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. Mom, I'm hungry. Are we going to have um, breakfast after this? So there's a lot of different things. But we, I try to talk about, okay, we are at church. So let's keep our conversation about Jesus. What can, what can I help you to know about Jesus right now? So again, the modesty of speech, being able to capture those thoughts and capture our words to know what's appropriate in different behaviors. And that will help them later on have modesty of their own thoughts and, and, and their mind mm. when they have full control and full reason about themselves. But let's, uh, we have about three minutes left in our conversation. What about those parents that are kind of, let's just 
say they're on the fence. Like they they have kids that uh, let's just say they go to public school, and there's a lot of peer pressure in those environments to dress a certain way, to talk a certain way. And again, I, I mean, right now in the headline news, uh, little Nas X is making lots of uh, headlines for his let's just say lack of modesty, to say the least, in his uh, behaviors. And this is the environment that a lot of those parents see their kids living in. What would you say to those parents? You got about two minutes. Yeah. Well, one, check your environment. You're a parent and you do have still some control of your environment. I know that different child's ages, this is going to vary. I don't disagree with the difficulty within that, but check your environment and make sure that you have some control over what's going on and the environment around your kids. The environment, not just in your home, but where your kids go outside the home and be very cognizant of that. And two, when it comes down to it, um, speak truth to yourself, hold yourself accountable as an adult, as a parent, what are you listening to? What are you watching on TV? What type of influences are you giving yourself so that you can properly influence and parent your children? Mm. We must take control over our minds and our thoughts and the influence we have in this social world and to be able to block out things that are not going to bring us to heaven. And then third, remind yourself, remind your child, uh, even at the dinner table of the end goal. What is the goal here? What is the point of this life? Where are we going? What's the destination? If our destination is heaven, if it is to be with Christ forever, then if we're not spending time with Christ in our day-to-day life, heaven's going to be a, a, a rough road for us. <laughs> so I begin to, to remind ourselves of really what is the end goal of our, this entire life. I think a lot of parents probably feel a little bit intimidated by that peer pressure their kids are under. And uh, I guess we have to encourage them. Be confident, be bold, and, and get involved in your kid's life. Right. And that begins with the parents. Like I encourage you, if you're not in a place of being bold in your faith, then, then, then take the journey and take your family with you. Yes, there's going to be kickback, but it is worth it. It is worth every single kick and screaming that you can possibly <laughs> do to be back on the road with Jesus Christ. Get yourself to confession. Go every single week. Take yourself Amen. to adoration. Get yourself in front of the sacrament and be Catholic. Amen. What else? What else is there? Praise be to God. Leah Darrow has been our guest. LeahDarrow.com. Check her out online. Uh, Incredible having you on the show again today. Thank you so much. God bless you. God love you. All right. We're going to be right back after this break with breaking news and immigration. What's going on? We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Have a drive. I'm headed your way. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a fanatic? Well, have you ever heard someone defending animal rights as if they have completely forgotten about human rights? G.K. Chesterton says that is a perfect example of a fanatic. Someone with a sense of a particular truth that is too strong for his sense of the universal truth. He will invoke even cruelty to prevent cruelty to animals. Later, he may even invoke cruelty to animals to prevent cruelty to pit ponies. It is not merely that he has kept one thing and lost a thousand things. He has lost the basis even of the one thing. For a man cannot long remain right without a reason. We must accept all the universal truths so that we don't go off balance with one particular truth. And where do we find the perfect balance of all universal truths? In the Catholic Church. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. 
That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today. After heavy criticism, Obama forced to downsize massive birthday bash amid Delta variant spread. Cuban Religious Report Detainees held without trial after protests. St. Augustine Diocese reverses mask mandate at Catholic schools. Philippine Catholic Church inks document with Nationalist Church for Reconciliation and Common Baptism. Daughter of former British Home Security calls for porn for children. New York City to require proof of coronavirus shot to enter indoor restaurants, gyms, and entertainment venues. UK government signs million-dollar foreign contracts for COVID passports. Citing Pope Francis, New York Archdiocese tells priests not to issue religious exemptions from jab. Universities set quotas to get more body parts from black babies killed in abortions in the name of inclusivity. Andrew Kuma refuses to resign and denies sexually harassing 11 women. Christian professor defends killing babies in abortions if they are black or have Down syndrome. And reported by LifeSite, We have lost all common sense, and as a result, we are losing our religious freedom, Sister Didi Byrne warns. Sister Deirdre Didi Byrne, a member of the Little Workers of the Sacred Heart Order in Washington, D.C., told listeners not to be afraid and to hold on to religious freedom and common sense. At the Stop the Shot conference hosted by the Truth for Health Foundation and live-streamed by LifeSite News on August 4th, Sister Didi spoke about early treatments for COVID-19 and the unprecedented restrictions and mandates seen over the past year and a half, saying, We have lost all common sense, and as a result, we are losing our religious freedom. In a heart-to-heart with listeners, Sister Didi, a board-certified family physician and general surgeon who received her MD at Georgetown University School of Medicine and served in the U.S. Army Medical Corps as a missionary surgeon, said she has personally treated more than 150 patients with COVID-19 since last year. The nun who gave a rousing pro-life speech at the Republican National Convention last year said in spite of the ongoing push to mandate experimental COVID-19 shots developed or tested with the tissue of aborted children, early treatments using safe and effective drugs are sufficient to stave off serious illnesses from COVID-19. According to Sister Didi, the COVID patients she have treated have all done extremely well. She said she witnessed firsthand humanity man's inhumanity to man. She said she also saw the beauty and kindness of many, as many people reached out to help and support in the wake of the September 11th attacks. People lived in fear after the attacks, she said, but humanity prevailed. Unlike the outpouring of support and kindness burned witness after the September 11th attacks, however, the retired U.S. Army colonel said people are still living in fear more than half of a year and a half after the first COVID-19 cases were reported on U.S. soil. As the pandemic has worn on, Sister Didi had said she had become deeply concerned about why the experimental drug is increasingly being mandated in spite of available and successful early treatment. She noted that COVID-19 itself is, has an extremely low mortality rate, particularly among the young, and the long-term effects of the experimental COVID-19 shots are unknown. <laughs> Meanwhile, she observed that rates of anger, suicide, and depression have spiked among children and young adults. Sister Didi concluded by citing Matthew 10:28, which states, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but those who cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
begging Catholics, Christians, families, and friends to understand the gravity of mandating these vaccines. She warned that in losing a common-sense approach to treating illnesses, Americans are also losing our religious freedom. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. You know, since February, according to the city of McAllen, Texas, Customs and Border Protection has released more than 7,000 illegal immigrants with confirmed COVID-19 cases into their community, including more than 1,500 new cases in just the past week. This is only one of the many uh, sort of uh, facets of the immigration situation going on on our southern border. Here to talk about this uh, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, Dr. Kevin Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of Texas Public Policy. Good morning to you, Dr. Roberts. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Praise be to God. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a long time since you and I've uh, talked. Yeah, it has. I was I was glad to get the invitation. Obviously, uh, you and I over the last several years have done some Catholic men's conferences, things together. I, I lead a non-sectarian think tank, but we're animated by our Christian faith and obviously my Catholic faith, including on this issue of immigration, which is the gravest humanitarian crisis I've seen in my lifetime. So why don't you tell us where are we at now? I mean, it's kind of gotten it's a conversation that's a bit waned in the news. So not a lot of conversating going on about this current migrant uh, situation on our southern border. Where are we at? What's what's the deal down there? Look, uh, I'll write a headline for you and anyone listening. Uh, number one, this is an egregious crisis. We, it, it is impossible to exaggerate. Number two, we look at numbers. Uh, you, you've you've mentioned a couple of them in the McAllen sector. The 30,000 foot view is that we've got approximately 200,000 apprehensions of illegal immigrants every month since March of this year. Mm. The Biden-Harris administration purposefully reversed some previous administration policies that were protecting the border, which is also a way of saying protecting people, both us north of the border, as well as people who want to come here. I, you know, I, I don't really hold it against them that they want to come here even illegally. It's great to be in America. We need to be sure that we've got an immigration system that allows people to come here legally and transparently. The upshot is by the time the summer in Texas begins to wane some point in September, probably somewhere about two million illegal immigrants will have crossed the border, two thirds of them into Texas. Wow, two-thirds into Texas. That's yeah, pretty overwhelming. I mean, yeah, if you, go to, if you go to New Mexico, if you go to Arizona, most of those sections of the border, while they have illegal crossings, are really much smaller in terms of the, the number of humans coming over compared to the Texas sector, especially the Rio Grande Valley. And the thing that's really uh, frustrating for us at our foundation is what you mentioned regarding COVID in the McAllen sector. Again, dial back to the entire border. There has been over the last six weeks, a 900% increase in COVID cases among apprehended illegal immigrants on the border. This is the kind of thing that is a true public health crisis compared to what the president is trying to say about airports and airplanes and, and other parts of the country. You know, here's another headline. This one out of the Epic Times. It says McAllen, Texas, speaking of the same place, McAllen, Texas, setting up emergency shelter for the overwhelming number of stranded immigrants. Uh, it seem, it would seem to me that these communities are really uh, forced to have to drop all other priorities as if they probably had nothing else going on at the time and, and really put most of their attention into dealing with this overwhelming number of migrants coming across their borders. Um, how, how taxing has this been on these small communities along the border? 
It's been a huge problem for them, Joe. McAllen, if, if our listeners have not uh, been there, is a bustling place. It's a great place, beautiful culture, beautiful place. It's a place with a lot of economic opportunity because of its centuries-long tradition of people coming from across the, the border from the south legally to work, going back to their, their families just south of the border. The humanitarian crisis prompted by the Biden-Harris regime has not only interrupted that very beautiful custom, but it's also interrupted, as you said, the proper business of city and county government. We, we do a lot of work along the border talking to elected officials of both political parties. And I can tell you whether they're Republicans or Democrats, they are beyond frustrated with the federal government not doing its job in protecting the border. That leads to the state and local governments having to step in to make up for that absence of the feds. That's a real problem, because if you look at the U.S. Constitution, you know that 95 percent of immigration policy is a duty. It's not a right. It is a duty of the federal government. So at least we can thank God that we live in a state that is led by a great man of faith, Governor Greg Abbott, and great local leaders, members of both parties who are willing to step up. Unfortunately, that does not change the, the just the, the cold, hard reality that if you look at restrooms, you look at, at, at sleeping facilities, you look at the rate of COVID among these migrants. This is grave. I mean, this this actually is a national embarrassment. You know, I've always felt like we should be able to come up with uh, immigration policy that keeps the bad guys out, but lets the good guys in. Um, I, I, fair uh, immigration policy, but it seems like we've never been able to really accomplish that. And now the border seems wide open. You have thousands coming across that we have no idea who these people are, some of which aren't from Latin America. They're from overseas. We have no idea what their intentions are. Are they coming for a better life? Are they coming for nefarious reasons? We don't know. Um, it seems that, that our current administration and their policy doesn't seem to care about those motives. What say you, Dr. Kevin Roberts? Uh, well, I say two things, my friend. The first is speaking as a as a faithful Catholic. I agree with that one hundred percent, and it's it's exactly what we believe. It's it, it's what our our magisterium shows us that yes, we we of course want to honor the migrant, but we also, in order to honor that migrant, have to protect the rule of law. We have to protect the nation state that has created the prosperity, has created the freedom that is that that are the magnets for these migrants to come here. But the second thing is. If you were to take your statement, you know, your summary of having a, a fair, transparent system where people can come here legally, but we're keeping the bad guys out, and you were to go do a, a national poll, 80% of Americans would agree with you. How do I know that? Because we poll every month. Now, we don't believe in adopting positions based on polling data. We're an organization of principle. You're a man of principle. I am. The point is, it's common sense. Hmm. And I think the you look at all the policy that Washington has failed us on, this is number one on the list. And hold this is hold that thought. Hold that thought. Dr. Kevin Roberts is our guest. He's the chief executive officer of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. We've got to go to a quick break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation. I want to talk about states' rights in comparison to federal overreach. All that's coming up right after this very short break. We'll be right back. John 2.27 reads, You have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing, the Holy Spirit that is, teaches you about everything. Sounds pretty Protestant, doesn't it? No living teaching authority and just me and the Holy Spirit? Was John Protestant? Absolutely not. And here are some reasons why. 
First, John can't be rejecting a living teaching authority because in 1 John 4, 6, he instructs his readers that the apostles' teaching is the criterion for discerning truth from error. So what does John mean? He's warning his readers against false teachers. In 1 John 2, 19, he writes, Some went out from us, but they were not of us. If false teachers, well, then there must be true teachers. Sure, the Spirit teaches Christians the truth, but He does so through the living teaching authority, not apart from it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're talking about the immigration situation on our southern border. Our guest is Dr. Kevin Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Formerly, he was the president of Wyoming Catholic College. And before that, he ran a, uh, a school in Lafayette, Louisiana called the John Paul the Great Academy, where I met him back way back in like 2012 or something like that. It's good to have you back on the program. You know, uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, the schizophrenic uh, you know, policies of the federal government in regards to the immigration policy. And one example that came to mind over the break was just... Just recently, uh, 27 Cubans trying to make it to America, trying to flee communism, were sent back uh, by our uh, current administration. Uh, that's their policy to the Coast Guard, was to send them back. They're not allowed to make it to our shores. And yet, if they'd only come across the Mexican border uh, and America, they would have not even been questioned, I'm sure. It seems very schizophrenic. What say you, Dr. Roberts? It's it, your your example is not abusive at all. I mean, it's exactly what's happening. We, in fact, uh, our research shows that in May and in June, the plurality of people coming across the U.S.-Mexican border were not from Mexico. They were not from Northern Triangle countries. They were from Europe. And so all you have to do is make sure that wow. if you're not from uh, a country near the U.S.-Mexican border, you just you, you get there. But schizophrenic policy is, is, I think, a good summary. And what schizophrenic policy does is not ensure justice. It does not ensure transparency. And so if anyone listening to this is trying to figure out what's going on, well, you know, what, what are the roots of that? It starts with policies that began in January. I say that not to make a political statement. We, I run a think tank. We, we just deal with the truth and the facts. And the hard facts are that this is very easy to fix. You just need to go back to the policies that were in place that were not schizophrenic on January 19th. Uh, let's talk about states' rights. Recently, uh, the governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, he signed an executive order that forbids the transfer, ground transportation of migrants, uh, these illegal migrants coming across Texas. And the federal government has, has balked at that. They've put pressure on him. Uh, let's talk about states' rights versus federal uh, policies. Uh, where does this line um, 
where is the line between states' rights and federal government? It seems like we're seeing more and more of this, even in gun control issues. I know Missouri has come out strongly against uh, federal overreach and Second Amendment issues, and there's been many states. The governor uh, in uh, Florida is another great example of this, mask mandates, et cetera, et cetera. What say you, Dr. Kevin Roberts? Well, I'll spare you the long academic answer on that and just suffice it to say that our our rights as individuals, we conferred to states. They, they created the federal government. And so whatever sovereignty our federal government has comes from the states. And it's, you know, the best way to think about that is that both the states and the federal government share their sovereignty from us, which leads to the heart of your question. And that is Governor Abbott on a number of issues, immigration, as you mentioned, health care, uh, gun rights, et cetera, has been very vocal in saying, look, when the federal government isn't going to do its job and as a result of not doing its job is affecting, it's, it, it, it's having a negative effect on individual rights, the state of Texas is going to step up and do it. And, and praise God that he does, especially in this immigration issue. As a result, just to give you an example, Governor Abbott has sent 1,500 members of the Texas National Guard to the border to make sure that the, where there are huge gaps in the border, those guardsmen, guardswomen can, can help our border patrol agents. On the matter of gun control, this really is not at all a federal issue. It, obviously, gun rights are protected by the Second Amendment. Uh, we know in Texas, just to go beyond the, the Second Amendment response, it's, this is a way of life. Our research shows that where gun ownership is high, cities and communities are safer. The larger point is this, to sum up. We are living in an era in American history where we have to push back on overreach by the federal government on every issue. I would think that listeners to your program would be most motivated, as I am, by assaults on religious liberty by this administration. It is going to be the states, to your point, who become our biggest protectors of that. And yet, you're a history guy. You have a PhD in it, and I know you know it well. I'm a history uh, nerd. I love uh, to study history. And we can all remember that shining example, mid-19th or late uh, 19th century, where the states, fighting over states' rights, went to war, and uh, some 600,000 Americans lost their lives and uh, quite a bit of destruction in the process. And, and here's, what, here's why I bring this up, is because I find it fascinating, Dr. Roberts, that more and more the talk of secession is bubbling to the fore. We're seeing counties in Oregon and, and California, the state of Texas uh, and other states are talking about secession more and more. Not that I think it's possible necessarily, but the conversations coupled with all these issues, states' rights exerting themselves over federal policy, um, where does this lead? What say you, Dr. Roberts? Well, I'll, I said I would spare you the long ac- academic explanation. I will make a short academic uh, fraternal correction. Praise states don't God. have rights. States do not have rights. People have rights. And states have duties to protect individual rights. And that's the best way of understanding what's going on. And so, yes, the, the example from the Civil War is telling. But I think those of us who spend our daily lives pushing against federal overreach can do a better job. I'm talking about myself now, Joe, not using the phrase states' rights, because that's not really what we're talking about. And it also is caught up in the baggage of slavery and Jim Crow segregation in the Civil War. My point is states have a duty, right? even Governor Whitmer in Michigan, and you know, with her liberal worldview, has a duty when she wakes up to protect her people's liberties. That's Amen. her one and only job. She's not doing that job. And so I think if we reframe this debate as one in which states are our friends and the federal government is not, <laughs> then I think 
all of those public policy areas become much easier to win. On the point of secession, I don't think it's going to happen. And do you know why? Because we're winning on these issues. Even on the issue of immigration, it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. I think the heroism of governors like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis are charting a path to a much brighter future in the near term. You know, I was thinking about this, and I actually have had this discussion with some friends of mine over the past couple of months, and we've been discussing the idea of rights versus duties. And we talked about the example of, you know, a child, we say a child has a right to their parents, has a right to life. And that lot thing and those kind of things, but the uh, but the, in reality, the the right, the duty is on the parents. The parents have a duty to their children, and because of that duty, the kids have a right to it. In the same way, like you were saying, the state has duties to us. Um, but as I was saying, the children they have no way of exercising their rights. They have no way of being able to fight back. So we're talking about secession and that kind of thing. How on earth are we supposed to, uh, as state citizens, because I know here in Houston, I'm assuming it's the same uh, all over the United States, we have the Houston mayor saying, oh, we're disobeying Greg Abbott's order. We're going to reinstate the mask mandate and we're going to uh, move toward, back towards that direction, even though Governor Abbott opened up and he said, well, it's a state of emergency. I'm allowed to to override that. Uh, how do we uh, what, what can we do? It's sort of like revolting, which is not something that we want to do. Yeah, boy, that's a great question. I I, uh, I love the way you frame that, drawing the parallel between children and parents and us as individuals in the state. I want to emphasize that. That's the proper way of understanding how government works. Local governments, this is really, really key, really key. Local governments in Texas, cities and counties are creations of the state. And so your crazy mayor and in Houston and your crazy county judge in Houston, I don't usually say that about people. They really are that crazy. They are going to get their clocks cleaned in court because it is very clear where the authority lies. I had the great privilege of serving on Governor Abbott's strike force to reopen Texas last year. And I can, while we didn't do everything perfectly, trust me, I, we, we should have opened much, much more quickly. The point is Governor Abbott's not going to let that happen. And so if someone listened to how you asked that question and they agree with you 100 percent, call the governor's office today and encourage him to squash that nonsense in Houston. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If we need people to to rise up and say say things that are true. Uh, Otherwise, people are just going to roll over. And I mean, we see it now. uh, People like just not obeying and we were talking about this he he made the comment and this is a true of many of these overreach governors and mayors all over america they say things but you know they they're working by fiat and a lot of time the police officers the enforcing body is just disobeying and that that what is what can they do yeah that's right and and i think you made a good point about trying not to revolt i would agree with that uh, there is a time and place for that but it's, it's pretty rare what we can, however, do is engage in civil disobedience. Mm. And, uh, you know, my family and I are, uh, we, we don't believe in mask mandates. Um, we believe that if people want to be vaccinated, that's great. But, you know, let's, let's keep in mind the COVID vaccine is not a vaccine. It's a shot. It's, it's, it's relatively ineffective on the disease. But again, I respect people's decisions to make that, uh, to go get that. Respect mine for not. Respect mine for not wearing a mask, which doesn't work. And let's get back to leading a normal life. Amen. We have about a minute and a half left with Dr. Kevin Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. We've been talking about immigration and states rights. I want to throw this out in the last uh, question before we have to say goodbye. And uh, the, the CDC mandating eviction moratorium, even though the Supreme Court has said otherwise, the 
the uh, the current administration doesn't seem to care. Uh, that seems to be an expression of federal overreach, wouldn't you say? Oh, it is. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, in fact, a, a, a mutual friend probably of ours, but I'll leave him anonymous, called me. He said, Kevin, uh, y'all have a at Texas Public Policy Foundation. You have a litigation center. Uh, what can you do about this eviction moratorium? <clears throat> and the reason he was asking is because he's a landlord. Mm. Now, he's not a landlord flush with cash. He's trying to get ahead in life, try to make a few hundred extra dollars a month. And he had a just a lout of a tenant even before COVID. And that tenant is using this as an example or as reason not to pay rent. That is costing our mutual friend his livelihood. It may even cost him his main house. And I think that's the way to understand this. The second thing is we filed suit. We won a couple of steps along the way. Uh, this eviction moratorium is awful. When we talk about it being against private property rights, remember to the point of the story, put faces on that and understand that it's costing people money and their livelihood. It's wrong. Wow. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Dr. Kevin Roberts with the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. Take care. God bless you. Praise be to God. God bless you, too. That is going to do it for our first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're so glad that you were able to join us for that. Great conversations with Leah and Dr. Roberts. Coming up in the next hour, we will play our game, Fear and Trembling. want to thank our show sponsor for the game show this week is Motherboards. Loveyourmotherboards.com is their website. So somebody's going to win the prize pack. It could be you, but you do need to tune in to do that. And by the way, you can always watch live, comment live, hang out with us live right on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. We're going to talk about Our Lady of Fatima and a miracle statue. That's coming up tomorrow at 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 
1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the Word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Dr. Kevin Roberts from the Texas Public Policy to discuss immigration, the current situation. We talked about so, uh, so-called states' rights and federal overreach. We had a great conversation. It was pretty. It covered a lot of ground. Let's just say. Plus, we also talked to Leah Darrow last hour about building a culture of modesty, which is more than just the dress code. Uh, very, very good conversations. I would love to tell you that we're going to post both of these conversations to our YouTube channel, but that is just not going to happen because they have blocked us. Uh, we are suspended for seven full days, both on the GRN online channel and the Catholic Drive Time channel. We have taken uh, a strike. So YouTube strikes again. And we are now no longer allowed to live stream there or upload there or sneeze in their presence, I suppose, uh, for fear that we may spread medical misinformation, at least according to the World Health Organization. And uh, so there's a story. But we are still live streaming on Facebook, on Twitter, and on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And in this hour... Uh, at least the first half of this hour, we're going to do breaking news and stories. All good news. We 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 refuse to allow Janelle to read the the horrid news that she read last hour. That's terrible. What's going on out there? But all good news this hour, plus a saint of the day and a gospel of the day. A little bit of reflection, and then we play fear and trembling, and so a cool price pack from Motherboard. Uh, loveyourmotherboards.com is at stake this week. You could win, but you do need to be the first caller at 15 past the hour. And then in the, in the second half of the hour, we will attempt to do a, a sort of an after show conversation with the audience, but with no YouTube, who knows? We'll have to hang out with our Facebook friends. And then again, you can watch live, comment live right on our webpage at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Have I told you how much I love radio? I just love radio. I wish radio was gonna was was gonna boom again in this brave new digital world. Radio is still awesome. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. 
Praise be to God. Uh, are, so the good news is all good, right? It's all good. It's all good. Like, please, Nothing bad. Pretty please, like, why are the news stories getting more and more insane? I, I don't. I don't know. It's, it's becoming, we're becoming more sinful. Uh, we need more Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so depressing to read some of these headlines. It's oh, just yes. terrible. Yes, definitely. But it's the good news hour, and there's always good news in each of the hours. Thanks be to God through the gospel and through the saint of the day. So there is still hope. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Amen. All right. Uh, speaking of hope, uh, I guess Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah. You know, I really enjoyed our conversation uh, with your friend, Dr. Um, what was his name? The Dr. Kevin Roberts. Mm, Dr. Kevin Roberts. Roberts. You yeah, forgot our guest's name. I, I, it was only seven minutes ago. I, it's uh, my it's memory. Been a long my short term memory day. has been. <laughs> Utterly destroyed by five hours of sleep every day. So my short-term memory is like gone. But <laughs> but it was a great conversation because I've actually been wanting to have a conversation about the entire topic of rights and duties. And we got a little bit into that for about a couple minutes at the end of that conversation. We scratched so, the surface. Yeah, but I would love – I, I want to get him back on and talk about rights and duties or maybe get – I know this book that's about this topic. But anyway, well, his, I, I, that was awesome. His PhD is in uh, American history. So I really want to talk about uh, Benedict Arnold. Mm, ooh, that would be good. Um, how about uh, Ben Franklin? Ooh, yes. How many people know the truth about Ben Franklin? I wonder if you knew the shenanigans of Ben Franklin, would you still revere him? I'm, I'm curious. That's the conversation I want to have. I'm probably the only person who wants to have that conversation, but nonetheless, I still do. So we'll have to have him back. Well, maybe we can split it up. I get one segment. You get one segment. Mm, okay. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to have a fun show. Uh, we're about to play the, the game here coming up at 15 past the hour. So uh, be sure to have the phone number ready to go. Call early if you want to get in on that. The phone number is listed on our webpage at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But let's pray for your intentions, dear listener. Let's pray for the conversion of sinners around the world and, uh, and for the repose of those souls that would go to their judgment today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now the good news with Janelle A. Here's your good news. Israeli women donates her kidney to a three-year-old Palestinian boy in Gaza. From LifeSite, undercover journalist who exposed Planned Parenthood joined Supreme Court abortion case. Pro-lifers hold rosary procession for the unborn in Brooklyn. Hillsdale, Michigan looks to become America's next sanctuary for the unborn. Eastland, Texas becomes 30th Texas city to ban abortions. A church rises from the ashes. Latin Mass returns to church abandoned by diocese in the 1980s. St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church was closed in the 1980s and later sold to a group of Protestants. After decades of neglect, layman Bill Price purchased the property in 2019 and has spent the last two years almost single-handedly restoring it to its former glory. They now will be serving Latin Mass in that church. Thanks be to God. 
And from the Epic Times, archaeologists uncover new sections of 2,000-year-old tunnels in Western Wall in Jerusalem. The remains of Jerusalem's Western Wall, some 2,000 years old, yielded some incredible architectural discoveries in the 19th century. Recently, impressive new sections of the wall tunnels have been revealed for display to the public in an archaeological evacuation by the Jerusalem's Western Wall Foundation and Israel Antiquities Authority. Built around AD 20-30, the tunnels consist of two large elaborate chambers connected by a central passage and fountain, which, it's speculated, once served to welcome guests to the city, perhaps even important dignitaries during the time of the Second Temple in Jerusalem. Visitors to the site can now envisage the opulence of the place. The two side chambers served as ornate reception rooms, and between them was a magnificent fountain with water gushing out from lead pipes incorporated in the midst of the Corinthian capitals protruding from the wall. The evacuation uncovered the original wall's massive stone slabs and those which paved the ancient building. The researchers believe that these guest chambers once would have contained wooden reclining sofas, which were not preserved, and the rooms were also used for dining. Reclining dining rooms were common in the Greek, Hellenistic, and Roman worlds from the 5th century BC to the 3rd, 4th centuries AD. They are known in the archaeological record from private homes, palaces, temples, synagogue complexes, and civilian compounds. The two elaborate chambers are identical and feature arched ceilings and pillar. The fountain is ordained with pilasters, flat pillar-like structures adjoining the wall, crowned with Corinthian capitals. The site also contains a stepped ritual bath which was installed during the late Second Temple period, along with other extensive changes prior to the temple's destruction. The decorative style of the building is typical of the opulent Second Temple period architecture. The tunnels were discovered and documented in the 19th century by Charles Warren, who was followed by various archaeologists in the 20th century. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Thursday. The saint of the day is Our Lady of Copacabana. It was a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary standing four feet tall and was made of plaster and magoy fiber. It was created by Francisco Tito Yopanqui. He, except for the face and the hands, it was covered in gold leaf and dressed like an Inca princess and has jewels on the neck, hands, and ears. There is no record of what the image looks like under the robes. The carved hair has been covered by a wig and the image never leaves the basilica. On the 21st of February, 1583, it was enthroned in an adobe church on the peninsula of Copacabana, which juts into the lake of Titicaca nearly three miles above sea level. In 1669, the Viceroy of Peru added a straw basket and baton to the statue, which still holds today. The present shrine dates from 1805, and the image was crowned during the reign of Pope Pius XI, and its sanctuary was promoted to a basilica in 1949. It has been the recipient of many expensive gifts over the years, most of which were looted by civil authorities in need of quick cash. Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 23. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I would love to geek out for about an hour on this passage. The symbolism, the keys, the rock, the church, Caesarea Philippi, the gates of Hades. There's so much here. It is so profound. It is so incredible. But let me point out this last verse, uh, verse uh, 23. Uh, the contrast between Peter rebuking our Lord, like... Who do you think you are that you're rebuking our Lord? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're the one with the keys, the power, the authority that was just invested upon you. The blessing you just received in contrast to Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. Think about that. No matter the level you are in Holy Mother Church, you still have to live in a state of grace. You still have to have right mind and right teaching. Let us learn from this lesson. Adrian, what did you find? Oh, I agree. This is one of my favorite passages as well. I was speaking with some people the other day who was uh, agnostic, who had left the faith, uh, was not Catholic, was uh, Protestant, but left uh, the Christian faith. And he said, so we were talking about Catholicism, and he was like, what would convince you to leave the church? What would convince you to abandon the faith? And I said, the papacy. If I could be convinced that the papacy was not what it's what we claim it to be, I wouldn't become Protestant. I wouldn't become any, I would lose the faith. And this is true because our Lord, this is, uh, this is the culmination of our Lord's actions throughout the, he institutes the church here. He institutes the church. He institutes, he destroys egalitarianism. He destroys all these ideas of, of uh, the uh, Gnostic movement all right here. And I was talking to some of the members of the TFP about the papacy and their founder, Professor Plinio, who was a huge devotee of Cornelius Alapide, by the way, who I love, and uh, he makes these comments about the papacy, and I just wanted to read that as a quote for you, and it, it blew my mind, and I just love this quote. He says, quote, I still recall the catechism lessons in which the papacy was explained to me, its divine institution, its powers, its mission. My heart of a child, I was about nine years old, was filled with admiration, with rapture, with enthusiasm. I had found the ideal which I would dedicate my whole life. From then to now, my love for this ideal has only grown, and I pray to Our Lady that she ever increased it in me until my dying breath. I desire that the last act of my intellect be an act of faith in the papacy, 
that my last act of love may be an act of love for the papacy. Thus, in fact, that I would die in the peace of the elect, well united to Mary, my mother, and through her to Jesus, my God, my King, and my excellent Redeemer. It's so beautiful because it shows forth the importance of the papacy, the, the significance of the papacy, that there's a dignity and office to the papacy that we must love. No matter what happens, no matter who sits on the throne of St. Peter, we must love him and we must love his office. Even when Jesus calls away. him Satan? Even then. Even when Jesus calls the Pope Satan. That's Even pretty then. impressive. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Yay and amen. Thank you. Verboom.com forward slash GRN. That's with a V. Verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to dive deep. But it is time to play the fear and trembling uh, trivia game. So the call lines are open. The first caller gets to be the contestant. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now and you can play the game. And maybe win. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God... In a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Dime and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anyone 
what I'm about to share with you. Keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the trivia game segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. And you may, just maybe, learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have fun. Our contestants that call in tend to be a good time laughing right along with us and being good sports no matter what. And we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. So here's the deal, though. If you're just joining us, uh, we have three Catholic trivia questions, but we do not ask our caller these questions. So it's possible that they don't know any of these answers and still they could win the game, which also kind of makes it fun. But uh, I'll ask Janelle and I'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? Do they trust Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janelle, what could they win? They can win a prize pack from Motherboards. (laughs) Motherboards is a company dedicated to creating well-built recreational boards used on land, snow, and water, eventually. The quality craftsmanship, yeah, (laughs) that's just super cool. The quality craftsmanship put into each and every product is just as important as the unique and uplifting and sometimes eye-opening custom illustrations that adorn each piece. Hmm. Motherboards is the first and only company in the U.S. dedicated to bringing a positive and Catholic-focused message targeted to teens and adults who like to board. It's a not-so-subtle nod to an alternative way of thinking that is sorely needed in today's crowded landscape of negative and dark messaging. Going negative is, is easy, so we decided to do it the hard way. Motherboards <laughs> is based in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, along with its sister company, Full of Grace USA. The website, all products, and all religious imagery contained within are dedicated to and placed under the loving protection of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise be to God. Thank you, Motherboards, for sponsoring our game show this week. Uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Valentine. Thank you for calling in again. Hello. Good Hello. Morning. How's it going, sir? Val- Valentinen. How do I say your name correctly? Valentina. All right, I was right the first time. Praise be to God. Now, you're calling from San Antonio. Where do you go to church? Um, St. Matthew's. St. Matthew's. Matthew's. Now, uh, you're a little far away from the microphone, so it's kind of hard to hear you, but how old are you? Valentin. He's eight years old. Eight years old. old. Wow, praise be to God. Well, uh, so... Do you understand how the game is played? Do you know how tricky Janelle and Adrian could be? Yes. All right. So who do you who do you trust more, Janelle or Adrian? Who is the most trustworthy player of the game? Adrian. Adrian 100%. the innocent. Huh. Thank you. Thank huh. you. <laughs> wow. Straw poll is pretty strong against Janelle these days. I mean, uh, Janelle the Tricky is not getting a lot of fanfare here. All right, but uh, let's play the game, Valentina. I think we're going to do well today. Uh, some of these questions could be slightly tricky. Let's just say it that way. But uh, we'll go with Janelle. Uh, Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I am very ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. I'm wondering. Okay, Janelle, can you tell me which apostle... Out of the 12, which apostle is held to have first brought Christianity to the region around the modern-day area of Kiev, Ukraine? Which of the apostles brought the faith to Ukraine? Modern-day Ukraine? 
I'm going to go with Andrew. 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 Solid answer. Yeah. Hmm. Makes me wonder what Adrian the Innocent will say now. Adrian, can you tell me which of the apostles is believed to have brought Christianity to Ukraine? Which of the apostles? Yes. The, which of the, the apostles, apostles held to the to have first brought Christianity to the region around modern day Kiev, Ukraine? Yeah. I'm going to say yeah. that's Saint Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. See. Saint Jehoshaphat. Saint Jehoshaphat. Huh. Huh, okay. Wow, here we go. So, uh, Valentin, here's the deal. Uh, Adrian says it's Saint Jehoshaphat, whereas Janelle says it was the Apostle Andrew. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentin, what say you? Uh, what Adrian said sounds like a cartoon character, but I'm going with Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Duh. A cartoon character. What cartoons Duh, are you watching, Valentine? <laughs> yeah. Duh, Adrian. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Saint Jehoshaphat is the patron saint of the Ukraine. Of the Ukraine. Uh, but he is not an apostle. See how he's not an apostle. Okay, so you see how tricky Adrian is. I'm just saying that was pretty subtle stuff. Uh, but you, you never fear. You smelt the trap. Congratulations, Valentine. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence. You could possibly win the prize pack this week from Motherboards. By the way, Valentine, do you skateboard? No. Oh, you should try it. I loved skateboarding when I was a kid. It was great. Yeah. I mean, putting all the head injuries to the side for a moment, it's a fantastic sport. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, I, did I mention the broken button? No, no. let's not talk about that right now. Valentine, <laughs> let's see if we can't double your chances to win the prize this week. Praise be to God. Uh, let's go to Adrian the Innocent for this one. Adrian, what is the study of investigating the sacred scriptures called? That would be the study of exegesis. Exegesis. Yes, to read out of. Exa, meaning out of, and then Jesus, it's referring to the reading of. As opposed to in a Jesus. What it would have been in. Uh, maybe. We're going, okay, exegesis. Exegesis. Could be. Sounds solid. Let's go see what uh, Janelle the Tricky has to say. Janelle, can you tell me, what is the study of, investiga- of investigating the sacred scriptures called? What do the, uh, uh, the, the, the professors call that? In ivory towers. I don't know, Mr. Joe. Exegesis sounds kind of funky. Does I'm going to go with Bibleology. Bibleology. Yes, Bibleology. Hmm. Tough choices here. So, Valentine, let me summarize for you here. Okay, so Adrian says the term is called exegesis, whereas Janelle says it's called Bibleology. What is the term for studying sacred scripture? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentine, what say you? Adrian sounds like he has a fake book near him, but I'm going with Janelle. Are you sure? Janelle. Are you sure? Oh! Janelle. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, Valentine. <laughs> um, yeah, awkward. But in, in, in reality... I, I hate to admit this publicly. Say it. Say the words. I, I really loathe having to say this out loud. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But Adrian was right. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Yes. Exegesis. Exegesis yes. is the official term for the study of sacred scripture. Bibleology was I don't think it's even a word. totally made up yeah. by Janelle D. Is it exegesis Tricky. or exegesis? It's exegesis. exegesis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jinx, you're it. Um <laughs> But don't worry, 
uh, Valentin, we have one more try to double your chances. So uh, I think this one, mm, I'm hoping this one is less tricky. But we're going to go back to Janelle this time. Janelle, can you tell me? Okay. Or rather, can you complete for me the fourth beatitude? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. What's the next line? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. Yes. For they shall still be hungry. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I was just a little uh, morning allergy there. For they shall still be hungry is your answer. Yeah, justice isn't the food. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I've eaten some pretty just food before. Uh, Adrian, can you complete the fourth beatitude for me? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. What's the next line? I always love a good bowl of justice in the morning. Uh, for they shall be filled. For they shall be filled is your answer. See, si, senor. Okay, okay. So, Valentin, here are your options, my friend. Uh, Adrian says the completion of the fourth beatitude is for they shall be filled. Whereas Miss Janelle says the answer is for they shall still be hungry. Um, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentin, what say you? Adrian! Survey says... Yeah! Congratulations. You got it. Yeah, Miss Janelle, for they shall be hungry still. For they shall be hungry. I'm hungry right now. You know, she's got no exegesis going on over there. (laughs) Congratulations, Valentine. You did well. You're two in the cup. How do you feel? Very good. Very, very good. Praise be to God. If it be God's will, your name will come out of that cup tomorrow. You'll have to tune in at the same time to find out if that be the case. But thanks for playing with us and being a lot of fun, Valentine. We're so grateful to have you on the program. God bless you. We're going to put you on hold. Thank you. Praise be to God. We're going to put you on hold to get your phone number and make sure we can contact you. But that is going to do it for the radio side. It's always so much fun playing the game. And thank you, Valentina. Thank you, Motherboards, for sponsoring it. We're looking forward to giving away the prize pack tomorrow. If you can join us tomorrow, we have a guest in our first hour that tours the world with a very special statue of Our Lady Fatima, one that has had miracles. That's tomorrow's show. But coming up after this, we're going to do an after show live on our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where it's going to get a lot more interesting today. Given the fact that we are banned from YouTube, YouTube strikes back. They issued a strike to our GRN online channel yesterday. And either the day before, the day before, the day before, we got a strike on our CDT channel. So we are not streaming live on Facebook or, forgive me, on YouTube for the next seven days. 
and uh, which means there's a lot of people who normally would be listening via YouTube who are not doing so now. Some of them have come over to Facebook side. Praise be to God. Thanks for doing that. I did send an email to the to the uh, CDT insiders last night, letting them know what was going on, why we were not going to be on YouTube today, and uh, and to watch on our webpage as well. Now, the the solution I have on our webpage is not a hundred percent on him. Okay, it's not a hundred percent. Um, it's it's amazing how expensive this technology really is. Um, to have like a really good, robust solution, it's just not cheap. It just isn't. Which is a difficulty that nonprofit broadcasters are going to have to overcome somehow, and we will by the grace of God. But in the meantime, I want to thank those that are hanging out with us today, buddy K Nine. Praise be to God. Good morning. To see, good to see you, <clears throat> Jesus Robles. And Patty, praise be to God, our friends of the show. Rebecca, thanks for hanging out with us today. She said to say, thank you for spreading the truth. St. Joseph, pray for us. Amen. I like that. It's a good comment. Um, here's another one. Let's see, go over to this side. Uh, Monica Cortez, good morning to you. Uh, Susan Weber, Don, Barbara, good morning to you. Lori, praise be to God. Good to see you. Uh, let's see who else is on here. Angelo, our friend from uh, on YouTube has come now to Facebook. Praise be to God. Good to see you. And then uh, Tammy's on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, normally a, a YouTube friend. Glad to see you guys hanging out here on uh, Facebook side. Josh Knoll, good morning. Oh, he brought up a great comment about immigration. I want to read that in a minute. William Hemsworth, good morning. Also from uh, YouTube. Thanks for hanging out. Gloria, praise be to God. Uh, thanks for being on with us today. So anyway, that's the deal. We got struck because of our conversation with Christopher Ferrara. Now, the we got struck first on CDT's channel. I mean, it was like 20 minutes. You had the video up for like 20 minutes, Adrian? It was uh, less than 40 minutes. So less sometime than 40 minutes. around 40 minute mark, uh, it went up. And about less than 40 minutes later, it went down. Yeah, and then we got the strike. We appealed it, but they're like, nope. And what's interesting about that strike is... Um, they in the st- in the strike language that they send to you, they are, they say, "Well, you are violating terms because you're spreading medical misinformation," <laughs> and they use the World Health Organization as their determining factor of what is and what is not medical misinformation, which is fascinating given the connection between World Health Organization and CCP China. Right? I mean, that's always lovely that they get to be the voice of reason on YouTube. Hmm fascinating fascinating which kind of reminds me recently it was a big thing i think uh, epic times josh uh, phillips reported how many uh, major outlets were taking massive payouts from ccp during 2020 to promote their agenda in the news and then uh then abruptly that that uh, money train had stopped and i think it was the new york times that got caught deleting all of those stories that were funded by ccp yeah a lot of fun. So anyway, I'm not bitter or jaded at all. Mm-mm. Can you tell? And um, But our conversation with Christopher Ferrara had nothing to do with medical misinformation. It was a conversation about the legality of mandates, the rights of individuals in response to those. I mean, we talked about HIPAA. We talked about the, the federal DA saying it's completely legal to mandate vaccines and, and businesses are well within their rights to require that. We talked about all of that. I mean, there, 
I can't imagine what medical misinformation they're referring to. We never even discussed the the vaccines from a um, efficacy standpoint. Never. It was didn't even come up. It was just about the legality of what can people do if they're in a situation where their employer requires them to have a vaccine or to have employment. And what what would they have to do about that? It seems like a legitimate conversation, but not according to YouTube. So they struck both channels, and now we are banned for seven days. And that's where we're at. So Mike K., good morning to you over on the, the webpage side. Praise be to God. Also, David from New Hampshire was there. And uh, Teresa Avavila, who's also Anna and hanging out with us in the studio. Good morning to you. Uh, let's see who else. Mr. Thomas Anderson. And this is live. Uh, you're probably watching, though. You're, on the website, there may be a delay. You may be watching like the, the show still airing. I'm not sure. Yeah, difficult, as I was just explaining. We're no longer on uh, YouTube for the next seven days because of the strike we received from Mr. Ferrara's conversation. By the way, you can still watch that conversation on our Rumble channel. <clears throat> but I ought to. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a way to put the videos that YouTube blocks and bans and deletes on our website I want to create a playlist of those videos so that you can see the kind of conversations uh, that uh, YouTube does not allow. The problem I have is, like everybody says, well, why don't you go over to Rumble? Why don't you go to BitChute? Why don't you go to here? Why don't you go to Gab? Blah, like, like, Great. Each one of those sites has problems. Each one of those sites has downsides that YouTube solves in every case. So with YouTube censorship you get a lot more technology capability. You get access to a much bigger audience. And uh, you, it would be nice to say that there is a site that provides like a, a really good one-stop shop alternative, but I don't know, Adrian, tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think there is. Nope. There is nothing out there that is, uh, that is too helpful, to be honest. Everything is, is less than ideal. Everything is less than ideal. Yeah, and, and it kills me because we aren't even allowed to have the conversation. Like, they, like, why can't we dialogue about this? Why can't we conversate? It's, it's rather silly because, you know, you, you can go the other direction and you're fine. So, like, I could get on YouTube right now, go live, and start saying, you know, uh, the vaccines actually cure everything. If you take the vaccine, you will never get sick the rest of your life. It's like the elixir. But that's of, simply like, not true. And the can, science and doesn't say exactly, that. Exactly. And, that, and that's, that's medical misinformation. But right. I could say that on YouTube and I would not get taken down. So it's only in one direction. Yeah. They, they don't care about what you're saying. It's, it's purely about, about controlling the narrative. It has nothing yeah. to do with the truth. Because, I mean, if you did, you'd have to take down uh, the videos of Joe Biden saying things because he's contradicting the CDC constantly because right. the CDC keeps changing its mind every 10 minutes. Yeah. Now, if people choose to get the vaccine, well, that's their choice. I'm not going to sit and argue with people and try to tell them, you may not, you must not ever get the vaccine. I mean, people make these choices for themselves. Um, but why, why is it the other way? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm not going to harass my neighbor about whether or not they got the vaccine, why is my neighbor harassing me mm-hmm. whether or not I got the vaccine? Whether I get the vaccine or not is private information. And number one. Number two, as we've already stated, the even Dr. Fauci recognizes, based on science and studies, that the infection rates are about the same between vaccinated and unvaccinated peoples. So just from that one area alone, where, where's the benefit? 
Oh, but their cases are more mild. I've had COVID twice. I can tell you the second time, there were a lot of the, the symptoms that were more mild than the first time. There was one symptom, however, that was quite worse than the first time. But some of these symptoms were way more mild than the first time. I've had it twice. I haven't had the vaccination. I didn't go to the hospital to get medical treatment. I survived it just fine. 99.6% of people survive it just fine. They didn't vaccinate for, for the flu. I mean, they do have a vaccination, but they don't mandate. They don't lock down. They don't shut down. They don't in the, in the world and talk of this craziness, uh, for those, for, for the flu. What about other things? You know, um, I mean, I studied the American history, American Revolution. Right now, I'm kind of going through yet another phase where I'm reading more books uh, on the American Revolution. Look at the smallpox that was going on during the time. And there was inoculations. The John Adams family is a good example of that. Abigail, you know, wanted to inoculate her family. They took giant risks to do it. And it, what it entailed was they would, take, um, they would take a sample from one of the wounds of an infected person. And then they would slit up, they would they'd make an incision, usually in the arm, and then they would place that tissue that they took from a, an infected person and put it into the cut. The That's idea being to introduce your body to, the, uh, to this infection so that antibodies would be generated and your body would begin to fight the process. The concept is your body would uh, be in the fighting spirit, so to speak, and the, the symptoms might be more mild was the idea. Why? Because your body is designed to do that. And the science is showing that the vaccinations aren't providing additional benefits over the body. Where are the, ex where are the exceptions to that, Joe? Well, I'll tell you. Obesity. Obesity is a big problem. COVID and obesity don't go well together. Uh, old age and obesity. Uh, old age, rather, and COVID don't go well together. Uh, uh, comorbidities like diabetes, for instance, heart conditions. If you're in those categories, well, you need to make some different decisions because COVID could kill you, and you're going to have to think carefully about that. And so you should consult your doctor. But you should have the conversation. Like, you should be allowed to conversate about, you know, the reality of a vaccination that isn't really a vaccination. It's an experimental uh, treatment that could change your RNA. Is that even safe? Well, the creator of the mRNA technology is speaking out against the vaccinations. Were you aware of that? Google that. Look him up. See his most recent interviews on the topic. Uh, there's reasons for that. And then, of course... The abortion uh, tainted elements of this, no way possible. I don't care if it would save my life or not. I'm not injecting uh, a, a drug into my arm that had anything to do with abortion. No, mm -mm. that's a Holocaust I don't want to participate in. Yeah, and I got I, enough sins to answer for. Yeah, and there's a uh, in regards to the atomic bomb. Honestly, with the, that's the atomic bomb was is not a good thing either. <laughs> we should not have dropped the bomb. Most moral theologians agree that dropping the atomic bomb is was a wicked act because um despite the people that it saved we can never intentionally do harm to people so the example of the atomic bomb is not good and also arguing from the point of view that saying just because god didn't punish us means he's okay with it 
God can how do we know very, he's not been punished? Well, that's true. How do we know that he's not yeah. punishing us for yeah. our sins I mean, now? I don't know that's what true. comes right after World War II. Let's see. Sexual revolution, abortion, that, all that is divorce true, on but demand. It doesn't really I mean, matter because how, it doesn't matter because God gives a wide breadth of freedom. How is it that so many uh, people who are wicked end up going to live good lives, uh, relatively good lives? They get they become rich. They have all the material things they want. Yeah. Wicked people. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Why? But, because uh, God gives a wide breadth of freedom, but yeah. all of our sins will be punished in the next life. Yeah, nobody gets mm-hmm. away with it. Uh, so nobody and gets also, away. Um, the sins of the past are paid by the uh, people in the future as Unfortunately, well. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Grandpa. So. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm listen, the, 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 the atomic bomb scenario is also kind of complicated because we see, on, we see on the surface the vast destruction that it caused. Two bombs. I mean, horrible, horrible destruction. And then put yourself in the shoes of the president of the United States at the time who had to make a decision. And, you know, when I went to boot camp, Marine Corps boot camp, Marines fought those battles. It was the Marines, Iwo Jima, and all those islands that were slaughtered and lived in deplorable conditions, trying to fight their way blow by blow to get to the mainland Japan. And you realize by Okinawa how incredible and how difficult this process is really going to be because they were the, the locals were committing suicide. They were jumping off the cliffs rather than be uh, taken by the Marines. They had to slaughter the Japanese soldiers because the Japanese soldiers wouldn't surrender. They were uh, burning them out of their caves and their little dug pits. And when I saw, I remember, I was a, I've always been a history geek. I was, I was the 10th grade history student of the year at Judson High School. That's how, that's how much of a history geek I am. And I loved uh, to study the wars in particular. That was my favorite subjects, World War II, Vietnam. But when I went to boot camp and they showed us the reels, the footage from uh, Iwo Jima, I had never seen anything so graphic in my entire life. The mangled, mutilated bodies of American men. Uh, you know, their torsos and no legs. I mean, just ripped open. I'd never seen anything so graphic in any film ever. And I loved, you know, uh, the, uh, the movies of uh, uh, Vietnam era. <clears throat> Hamburger Hill, for instance, Full Metal Jacket. They showed us the real deal because they wanted us to know the seriousness of, of being what it meant to be a Marine and have to go overseas and fight for your country. And they showed us this footage, and then you realize that if it got that bad on the islands, how bad do you think it's going to be when you land um, servicemen on Japan? It's going to be a hundred times worse. The death toll counts that the president had to uh, use as data to make a decision was insanely high. And that was part of the decision for trying to limit death, trying to limit casualties, that was why he made part of the decision to drop the bombs. It's an imperfect decision. And God forbid any nuclear weapon should ever be used ever again. God forbid we should have to go to war and see such slaughter. Um, but an imperfect decision based on imperfect information, but not necessarily um, one that is uh, as black and white as I think some people want it to be. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a difficult decision. Um, it's definitely a difficult situation. The other thing is where we dropped the bombs, and especially in Nagasaki, we wiped out pretty much the entire Catholic population in Japan. 
Um, so there's also that, which is kind of unfortunate, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Um, though the Jesuits there that were praying the rosary yeah. all survived with no radiation poisoning. with Living no the Fatima message. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I wonder so. if our guest tomorrow will know that story. Could you? I have yeah. no idea, but we'll have to bring it up. Um, he he's, has a lot of really cool stories that he personally experienced. Uh, yeah. So he was. He said he's seen uh, Our Lady's uh, face <laughs> change. He said he's seen her uh, her shed a tear. He's uh, gone through Muslim territory with a statue where some crazy things happened. Really, um, he has a lot of miraculous stories that has ha- that have happened uh, Could, around that statue. Now we don't have a. Make, should he come on at six fifteen and we have him for three segments tomorrow? Do we, we have a guest? F- we don't. For that? Well, I can ask him. You can ask yeah, him. I'll That's why we says. have more time to hear more stories. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I got to have lunch with him a couple of months ago, and we uh, we chatted it up. And yeah, he's he's very cool, very cool guy. Um, but yeah, his uh, he was from the Philippines. He came to the U.S. Uh, with uh, the statue. Uh, traveled all over the world. There is two of the statues. Oh, we need to ask him whether or not this is the statue that J- that Padre Pio uh, saw. Yes, uh, we that's need to ask right. him that question. I forgot. That's a cool story, actually. Uh, let's see. What else did he? Yeah, there's a lot of super cool stories. It's been there's because there's two pilgrim statues that have traveled the world, and he has one of them, and there's a second one. This is the one that cried though. So this is a miraculous pilgrim statue. Yeah. And um, this one, it, it cried after uh, Roe v. Wade and New Orleans. So Whew. pretty crazy story. So that's tomorrow. That'll that's be tomorrow. our guest tomorrow. Oh, I'm super excited. He's yeah. he's great. And I think Gabriel Castillo actually interviewed him as well. You can go see that interview on I think it's Gabby After Hours. He yeah. has three channels and it's hard to delineate which one. I don't think has he gets strikes stuff. though. Nah. He doesn't get strikes. He, he didn't talk strikes. about our he lady talk protects about him from strikes. Yeah. Yeah. Though yes. he did put out <laughs> not surprised. Uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, he I believe it. But Gabriel actually put out an excellent video on voting and he talks about gay marriage he talks about in vitro fertilization he talks about all those things and he and he recorded it outside of the largest Planned Parenthood in America which happens to be in Houston Texas uh, and I think it's the largest in the entire western hemisphere actually and that is um, and it was excellent video highly recommend watching it was uh, it was very good and I was like man if you're gonna get in trouble for anything you do that's the one yeah uh, he did a great job though he did he's he's a super talented very very incredible, very pious, uh, madly in love with Our Lady. And, how, uh, how do you get a? How many strikes do you get from? Um, you get three. Yes, you get three until they get three uh, permanently delete you. I yeah. believe. Yep, and so we're we you, we have uh, the other thing that's changed. It didn't used to be this way, but you get a warning, and then you get a strike. But maybe it was always this way. But now that we're in the strike business, now we're just learning this that the warning stays forever. Yep. So, so the warning is a get. permanent feature mm-hmm. of both channels now. Yep, yep. And so that means you just you get straight into strike territory. So strike one, you're off YouTube for a week. Strike two, it's two weeks. Strike three, you're out. David O'Gray also has a strike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Akay said that the I have to disagree, but the atomic bomb was moral. More people were killed in the firebombing in Germany. I, no, that I, was I, Buddy. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're right, Buddy. Buddy said that. Sorry, I was flipping back and forth and I got the names crossed. Yeah, but um, the firebombing in Germany, I mean, any any mass killing of innocent people is always wrong. Like, that's just simple as that. Like, if you use a bomb, bombs aren't intrinsically evil, but particular uses of bombs can be. 
Uh, so the use of a bomb that is targeted over military uh, facilities and you know that there is a foreseen but unintended consequence that you may uh, kill some uh, civilians. Okay, that can be moral. But if you target civilian uh, facilities, civilian areas, that's evil. That's wicked, especially uh, with the, the situation in Nagasaki, Hiroshima, a little bit more debatable. Uh, Nagasaki, it was kind of kind of wiped out all of a. Uh, it all did, Catholicism but there. at the same time, you have to realize that that culture, everybody was armed. Yeah, everybody was Catholics ready to fight. The Catholics weren't going to fight against the Americans. It was. Uh, they were holding the line. They were protesting. There was a huge up, uh, response against the king there. And again, they flyered the area, yeah. saying they were going to bomb to leave the you area. Know, um, you, you remember the mo- the movie, the the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot? How many people have seen The Patriot? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've seen The Patriot. It, Gabe, you've seen The Patriot, right? Really? R- really? Nope. I'm not. Sorry. <sighs> Who, 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 who do I work with for crying out loud? I don't even know I who you brave are. Heart. Cultured swine. I saw Braveheart. <laughs> tell me, you be, tell me, dear listener, you have seen the Patriot. Okay, in the movie, the Patriot. Mel Gibson for for crying out loud is Mel Gibson. Like you're not required to watch Mel Gibson movies. Why am I the only one who have seen Mel Gibson films? It's like beyond, he made other films besides The Passion of the Christ. I have seen his so other films. Know. Um, I have seen but his you've other not films. seen the Patriot. I have not seen the Patriot. Then you've not seen his other films. I have. I've There's seen no possibility. I have. I've seen, seen Mad Max. <laughs> you've seen Mad Max. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I can. Uh, Adrian, have you seen there. the original Mad Max? Uh, yeah. You've se- have you seen the other sequels that involve Mel Gibson? Not the not the new crew. I've only seen the two. The first one and then the newest one. Beyond Thunderdome. You never watched that. No. Tina Turner was in that. Yeah. It was big. I don't know it who was. Tina Turner. Is. Wow. What? Oh my. Oh, Susan Weber and uh, oh, no, let me, Don saw it. Let me, okay, good. Let me make yeah. the point I was going to make about the Patriot. But now I have to like explain everything because nobody's seen the film except for a couple of uh, and other people. And Rebecca also saw it. She says Lori it was a no. great movie. So the, it was loosely based on true characters. And so here's the deal. Uh, Mel Gibson's character played a man living in uh, the Carolinas who had uh, an estate, like a farm. He had a family. His wife had passed away, and he was raising his kids uh, on his own. He was obviously a man of means, and um, the American Revolution was bubbling up, and there was a lot of pressure to have uh, young men and uh, men sign up to to fight the English. And he, because he had fought in the French and Indian War, did not want to fight. He did not want to see the combat that would ensue in and among the community, which he said would happen. Well, his two older sons were like, no, we're going to go fight. We're going to sign up. And his oldest son did sign up against his wishes. And the the second oldest was told he had to wait until he uh, was old enough. And then the English show up, and then they burn his farm down, and then they murder his second oldest son. And that kicks everything off in true Mel Gibson fashion. He takes out his old tomahawks and goes, slaughters the English and rescues his son from being, uh, you know, being... Uh, hung as a spy and then he gets involved in the war so the store that's the sort of the background here but it's loosely based on true characters uh mel gibson's character is based on a man by the name of francis marion who was called the swamp fox he successfully fought and 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 and, uh, won against the english time and time again and they couldn't stop him no matter how much they tried well the guy who calls him a swamp fox is uh a grenadier uh, a colonel in the English Grenadiers, whose job it was, again, loosely in the, in the film, is depicted the scorched earth policy of the Grenadiers. 
This was unheard of in English combat at the time, but this guy had a he had a license to do whatever the heck he wanted. He came in, burned town towns, he raped their women, he murdered everyone, no matter if they surrendered or not. He was harsh and vicious, and he was cruel. Whereas the American revolutionary, Francis Marion, Colonel Marion, and his, and his men who lived in the swamps of South Carolina, when they, uh, when they encountered the enemy, they only went as far as they had to to accomplish their goals. He would often allow English soldiers to escape to save their lives. He would capture and not slaughter. He would not kill beyond necessary means. And what happened was the South was filled with loyalists. Many of the locals were still loyal to the king, and they were supporting the English, even when the English came in and raped and pillaged their people. And it was Francis Marion's actions in combat that turned the hearts of many of these people, and they began to support him, and they would join his ranks. I think that speaks to some of the issues about like the atomic bomb, which has gotten off the vaccine issue completely. But um, it's a difficult process. It's difficult to wrap your head around how in combat one can still have ethics, because we're talking about violence and war. And yet it's, it is possible, and there are great examples. I, I would say Battle of Ponto, Don Juan of Austria is another good example of a leader who has a moral code, even in the midst of combat, in, in the midst of chaos. It's not just do whatever just because we're at war. Um, and so I think there's a lot of great conversations can be had around that. But you ought to go watch The, the Patriot. Like, I can't believe you've gotten away uh, this far in life and haven't seen The Patriot, Adrian or Janelle. It's, uh, it's shameful uh, almost. Tonight, well, that's your homework or something. You've got to watch it tonight. Mm, we'll cancel the guest tomorrow. We are only going to talk about the Patriot for two solid hours tomorrow. <laughs> it's older than me. It's older than you. <laughs> it's older than me. The movie's older than me. It's uh, made in 20... But it's still good. It's a period yeah. piece, so it, right. it transcends time. It's made in 2000, time. so yeah. it's, it's older than Janelle, but younger than me. That's yeah. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, Mike says the, the movie is very loosely. Yeah, that's typical That's typical, typical uh, Mel Gibson to just have a hint of the truth there. <laughs> the, the actual Francis Marion uh, is uh, not, not at all like a Mel Gibson <laughs> in, the, in looks and stature and, and all the rest. He was, uh, he was a very interesting character, to say the least. But and Mel Gibson likes to get very creative with his characters. Braveheart is another good example. The Battle of Sterling Bridge. Where was the bridge, Mel? Okay, great scene. No bridge. <laughs> Hello? What gives? It was off to the left. You couldn't see it. it oh, I see. It was off camera. Uh, off, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, we should have a show on uh, Just War Theory. Yes, that's That'd what I'm... Cool. Yeah. I know. That would be my, cool. Um, one of my old professors actually did his dissertation on Just War Theory. Um, he, he was a... Uh, I forgot what it was that he wrote about specifically uh, but it was uh, it was very relevant uh dr um uh is this what i'm talking about my memory i literally had him for two classes for like six months uh each so uh dr hittinger dr hittinger yeah. he he wrote a dissertation on just war theory so i might invite him on to talk about that'd be uh, cool that the whole topic of like firebombing atomic bombs nuclear weapons uh that kind of thing Susan Weber said, everything is older than Janelle. <laughs> 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 
Uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah, I, yeah it we, makes me feel old. We we totally left the vaccine conversation, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but I'm far more interested in American history. <laughs> the thing about it is, like in the strikes, if you don't have a platform to talk. What good is YouTube? That's the difficult. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have a platform to speak, so do we stay on YouTube? Uh, that's a decision. Do you stay on YouTube and just talk, uh, just talk about the fluff? Yeah, or, exactly. Or you can uh, migrate somebody else and uh, somewhere else, and then take yeah. your audience with it and build. And it's up to us to do that. The, it's it's, the, the, it's up to us. As, here's the challenge as, that, as, as Christians to go, hey, and and freedom loving people to go. No, we choose not to be censored. You know, and follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow wherever we go so that and builds another platform help build another but platform. like uh, there are there are other there are examples of people who have built uh who was the guy from west point that was benedict arnold oh no, no, invite no. someone from mm-hmm. west point okay um we did mike Pompeo. we did <laughs> true I, check that box uh we have we have done our duty we, we did interview mike pompeo who did go to the west point um no, I was going to say, so the problem here, one of the factors is this, is convenience, right? There are people who have built their own platforms. Some are very successful. The Daily uh, Wire is a good example of that. Uh, they have a large audience, the large following. The Blaze is another good example mm-hmm. of that. Uh, people who have put a ton, but they put millions mm-hmm. into the process. I, I don't know. I got about 17 cents in my pocket and a rosary. Does that count? I mean... That's the challenge that we as nonprofits have is we just just do not have the resources. I mean, I'm working. I am the only man on planet Earth who does as much with Logitech webcams. No one on Earth does more with Logitech webcams than I do. I guarantee it. Why? Because I don't have... streaming basketball games? (laughs) Exactly. I just don't have the financial resources uh, necessary to compete at that level, which makes it even more difficult. Hello, uh, wealthy Catholics. Instead of giving to the Bishop's Fund next time, consider the future of digital media for Catholic apostolates. We need a server farm with robust servers and security that guarantees our existence in the brave new digital world. But that takes millions and bravery and courage. Where are the people of faith? At any rate, that's going to do it for today's program. The Marines get their officers from the Naval Academy. Yay and amen. Yay and amen. God bless you all. God bless you.